welcome to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope everyone has been kicking March's ass. I just spent the weekend hanging out with friends at Lucky You Fest, which is a pretty sick local music festival thrown at my favorite venue. I was able to catch podcast alums Community Couch, Expert Timing, and hang out with pals from Dikembe and Nightwitch, and see so many awesome sets like Madison Turner's and Samar Shotguns. I'm really thrilled that the local scene across Florida is thriving, and I'm thankful for everyone who puts in the work and love for that to happen. My guest this week has done just that, but not only with Florida music, but in an entire genre. Jeremy Hunter has transformed the way that an entire era consumes ska, with their YouTube channel, Scotty Network. Jeremy takes songs from pop culture and other genres of music and reworks them into catchy, irresistible ska bops. Some time ago, I began to pick it up once more, and I credit Jeremy for the inevitable ska revival. In our chat, we talk about Jeremy's background in music, their love of ska bands, touring with We Are The Union, vegan food, and so much more. So let's hear Jeremy's collaboration cover with Rosie and Nightwitch of My Chemical Romance's I'm Not Okay, I Promise, and then dig into the interview. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not 
Well, welcome, Jeremy, to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are you over in Gainesville? Hello, I am good. Very good here in Gainesville. Oh my gosh, I miss Gainesville so much. What a great town. What great music. Great people. I love it so much. It's the best. I always try to find a way to sneak up there. I need to do it again soon. I tried to make it for Changeville. Unfortunately, life stuff happened, but soon. I feel that. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of shows coming up. Um, Mitski's playing in April, so come up for that if you're into Mitski. Oh, I might have to do it. I love Mitski. And Gainesville's been getting a lot of really great shows coming up, too. Like, I think Weekend Friends is coming up and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Forever a solid music town. And you are one of the many awesome music talents in Gainesville. Uh, I feel like you're kind of like a hidden gem of Florida, even though you're like, let's be real, internet sensation now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I have so much I want to ask you about, but I think the most important question here is how did you first fall in love with Ska? So first falling in love with Ska, it's so interesting. So when I was like a kid, um, it's like a weird, I always say like Ska got me into anime and made me a weeb, but being a weeb and anime kind of got me into Ska because like my brother loved Digimon and I would like, would just watch it whenever he watched it, but we saw the Digimon movie and Less Than Jake is in the Digimon movie. And what? Like, I, I never realized that. Yeah, yeah, there's like the all of those friends are metalheads. It's like this montage scene. And like whenever I was a kid, I was like, oh, that's so cool. It's like the sound. Like, I don't know. I feel like Digimon is heavily associated with like Saturdays and like not being in school and like being like a kid, like just trademark, like early 2000s kid, like on a Saturday, just chilling at home watching cartoons. And I guess that that's the association I always got from it from Less Than Jake. I was like, it's like rock with horns. That's so different and cool. And then like, Later in life, I was like, like trying to find music in middle school, and um, yeah, I, I downloaded the Digimon movie soundtrack, and the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones were also on that soundtrack, and so like, that's when I first heard of like those two bands, and like at first I thought that was it, and then I accidentally downloaded a real big fish song off of uh, Frostwire back when the struggle was that real, <laughs> and, and yeah, so then I was like, oh, there's more bands out there, and then the rest is history. I loved the genre. I love that Digimon was part of the entry point. That's just beautiful. I feel like Digimon was like my gateway to anime for sure. Yeah. And it's kind of funny how all these subcultures tie together so beautifully like that. And Yeah, my first time seeing Less Than Jake was my, it was my first concert in 2010 and it was at an anime convention. And going to that convention kind of got me into anime. So it was like, that's always say like, anime got me into Ska and then Ska got me into anime. <laughs> That is so beautiful. Wow. Like, I, I just love this connection. I never would have quite registered that. I kind of, um, it's funny that you bring that up because I didn't realize that I loved, like, frankly, any kind of independent alternative music until probably closer to high school. I had kind of like, I joke around the uh, tangled Rapunzel moment of like, whenever she realizes that the sons were there the whole time and she's a freaking princess. Well, I had that music moment with music where it was like, yeah. wait a minute, I've been listening to these bands this whole time and I love them all. What? <laughs> but you had a way smoother arrival. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you consume a lot of music, which I think is amazing. Um, how have different like genres sort of influenced your creativity? It's influenced it a lot because, like, I mean, I like before 
I started listening to ska, like just from my family. Like I was always brought up on jazz, on hip hop, R and B, a lot of stuff like that. Um, and then as well as popular music, just through like popular culture. Um, and then I worked at a venue for two years in South Florida called the Talent Farm, and that's like where I got exposed to a lot of like the alternative side, like DIY punk and stuff like that. Like I remember like getting paid money to eat pizza with like man overboard, and like I would always be like, this is like the pop punk kid's dream, like my my boss being like we need to get rid of this pizza go help them eat it and i'm like wow i'm getting paid money for this <laughs> it wasn't a lot eat but like, pizza with pop punk bands that's like a dream yeah right and then like but that was like my job it's like I, I worked especially like 2013 i really didn't have a job and i graduated from high school and for like eight months i worked every show so like i remember like time hot bump balancing composure and i was like i didn't i didn't remember i saw that band but i guess i worked i did sound for that show <laughs> like I don't even know, so they all run together, but I guess I people through the music scene. That's how I know a lot of people was from back then. So that's how I've gotten exposed through that. But yeah, it definitely helps me. Like, it's definitely a huge influence. Like, I also studied music composition in like high school and college. Mm -hmm. And so like my dream was always like write music like orchestras. But as like I progress and learn more music, uh, now that I do production, not only like ska, but other stuff for like commissions, it's like, I definitely pull influences from like emo when I'm writing like classical or influences from like jazz when I'm writing like, I don't know, like whatever else other genre is. I pull inspiration from what I like. That's amazing. And you had so much uh, exposure to so many different bands and so much music very quickly when you were younger. So that's really cool because now you have this palette that you can just draw from across the board. Mm -hmm. That's so neat to me. Um, so to kind of start getting into like the Sky Two Network stuff, um, did you have a background in any kind of like videos or making anything like that before launching the channel? I did. So like I used to make, I used to make videos all the way back like to middle school. Me and my friends would just make like these, these videos that were so bad and so dumb and they're like impossible to find. Like, oh my God, even if I wanted to unearth them, those YouTube channels got suspended. So like literally lost hands of time. Um, the earliest ones I can unearth are high school when I was in speed production. Um, I made some videos and of, even of all of those, only a handful of them made it because like I, I I used to not back up and save my stuff like I should have been. Um, actually I did have a lot of stuff backed up, but I my one of my computers crashed in like 2014. So mm -hmm. anything before 2014 I really don't have anymore. But um, but yeah, I got certified in Adobe Premiere in high school, so cool. I am very at using Premiere. I mean, Premiere is really different now. They've added so much. I just like bought the Creative Cloud, and mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, this is really different. I've been using like CS4, and they don't even use CS anymore. Like, I guess they stopped doing that like two years ago with the Creative Cloud. So like, that's how behind my was. Um, but yeah, I'm certified in Adobe Premiere, and um, I used to do so much with it. I already had all the gear to like get this channel going, so that was always that was very convenient. <laughs> That's so awesome. And like you already had kind of like the skills with being certified and stuff. Were there any things that you kind of felt like you had to teach yourself along the way? Um, teaching myself that so definitely like on, on the video side, not really, because everything I do is very simple. Mm -hmm. I've been starting to do like things where it's like layering out multiple videos on screen at once on some covers. I feel like some covers, like the slower ones, the more musical ones are definitely the ones where I want to do more of that. Um, and that's not necessarily me learning something. It's more of me like getting used to the patience of sitting there and like resizing every video and 
trimming them so they're perfect and that's just like i know i know if my computer could run after effects it'd be easier because you can make templates for that but i'm not sure about premiere and that's something i want to like learn more about and like color correction i'm like good at but i need to get better at and like just little things like that because like premiere has the power like they use that to make feature length films and so you mm -hmm. can do anything on premiere and like i, I i'm not at that level but it's mostly because one my computer isn't powerful enough to run everything and two i just haven't like had the time to sit down like I, it's like i do so many things i don't have the time to sit down and learn how to do things on premiere because i have like a million other things i always need to do no that's fair and it seems like there's a lot of work that goes into putting together the videos and the post-production and everything yes post-production is always a lot. I, I basically go to karma cream like once a week or maybe twice a week and i like i film all my videos in the week and then i just knock them out like typically in one day sometimes two i'll mm -hmm. just like edit together three or four videos and stay there for like six hours that sounds amazing is karma cream a good environment to be working on projects yes it is um karma cream like I, I like rewarding myself with like all of the pastries and like stuff like, <laughs> oh, i just worked hard i deserve this and then like uh the coffee definitely coffee helps me focus and so like coffee the coffee there is really good it helps me focus i can't focus in my house like my room is also where i work so it's like a mix of my office and a place where i don't want to do anything which mm -hmm. like sucks and it's like i'm in here so much i need to get out and it's like all, I, I always see everyone in gainesville at karma cream especially when I'm there for six hours. Like I see everyone in town go through at least once. So like I get to see people and like have social interaction. I never get because I'm always working at home and it helps me like it's editing there is so easy and like relaxing. That sounds wonderful because you get to kind of be in your favorite spot in town and get some work done. Yeah. That's so great. Well, I remember um, whenever I was digging around through videos over some time now, uh, the first one, Feliz Naviska, what yes. made you decide to put that on the internet that was so funny so like there's there's a few videos that i i kind of i kind of want to like edit them all into one video because i think I, they're still on facebook they're on my facebook for sure and they're easy to find but um some of them are on youtube on other channels because i have other you have one other youtube channel that has some videos in the ten thousand views and i didn't even know that i don't check wow. it anymore but but yeah it was, i call i call all those videos like the the what led up to become Scott's network and I used to do videos where it's like me playing trombone but like I multi-layer it like five or six times I did one for a world is song and they shared it like back then and it like went viral on Facebook um yeah. and then so I was doing stuff like that and then I finally like at that time I had just got real recording gear and I got the recording gear because a friend of mine was pitching a show to Cartoon Network and they were like, oh, if the show gets picked up, we'll have you do the music. And I was like, all right, I need to like start getting my, my stuff together and like actually learning how to produce like music. So I bought an interface. I bought a MIDI keyboard that came with an interface. I didn't want the interface, but I'm glad it came with the interface because that's <laughs> what led me to start recording very terrible ska demos. Um, I recorded demos of everything, but the Scott ones were always the best ones because that's just like the music I'm really good at writing. And yeah. um, Christmas, I posted a status saying, if this status gets one like, I'll make a ska cover of a Christmas song. And then I liked the status and then I commented, okay, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and I did it and it like went viral and I'm like, wow, that was really bad, but it went viral. So then like... Uh, I, I mean, I had other videos kind of get like traction, like of the old multi-tracking stuff, but that one got went did so well. And then I did like a bunch more videos and they were consistently doing well. So I was like, all right, I'm going to make a YouTube channel because like 
it won't hurt. That was like my middle school dream was to like be a YouTuber. Like that was my middle school dream. <laughs> so middle school Jeremy would be very proud of themselves now. Yes, absolutely. That's beautiful. I love the concept of making your childhood self proud. So that's really awesome that you've been able to achieve that. Yeah. Yes, middle school Jeremy would have been like, what? YouTube channel? That's so cool. Yeah, and you get a lot of likes and a lot of shares, and that's got to be really exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, every every time it happens, I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. Like, why are people sharing this? I don't know, but, like, I'm so excited. <laughs> that's got to be really fulfilling. Do you remember the first video that you put out that you felt, like, just absolutely energized, like, I have to keep doing this? Um, definitely, definitely, like, the Felice Navi Ska, for sure. Yeah. It was Yes, like this needs to keep going, but also the cover I did with the world is with Simona. Mm -hmm. That one was definitely one that I was like, all right, like this definitely because that one, like the world is shared, and mm -hmm. then like I gained thousand subscribers on you. I made the YouTube the day before that I uploaded that, and then I gained two thousand subscribers in like the first day of having my YouTube because wow. of that. So I was like, okay, people actually like care, and so like I just kept going, and like, and like every time I made a video up until very recently, in my opinion. I was like, this sounds bad, but, like, I'm going to upload it anyway. And then, like, people really like it. And, like, does it sound good? That's still questionable. But, like, people like it. And that's the, that's the thing. Like, honestly, like, at the end of the day, as long as people like it, that's all that really matters. Um, and it's a really easy to get in your own head, so I try not to. Well, I have to tell you, they are incredible. Because as somebody who, like, casually listened to Ska being, like, a kid of the 90s, but I feel like I've grown to appreciate it more because of Scott's new network, because I can see the musicianship that you put into it. You have like, you orchestrate, it seems like every instrument, every piece that goes into the cover. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Like I really hope that people can look at it and like get that. And I'm glad people consistently say that because like, Ska has a really bad rap as a genre <laughs> for a lot of people. And like, I've always loved the genre, but there's like, there's moments where I see like bands in the genre and the things they say and like I'm just like okay and this is why like I always turn to my friends and I'm like this is why people hate ska and like mm -hmm. I always say I have a love-hate relationship with ska and like and the thing is the thing that sucks about it is, is I feel like the worst people are always the loudest which mm -hmm. is the, the case for a lot of things in life but like there's a lot of really good ska bands out there that have kind of broken up or aren't as active um like like asian man records is a good example back before they were putting out like lemuria and joyce manor they were putting it was an uh, all scott label yeah and so like you know like like mike park he's like an activist and he does a lot of work in a lot of different ways incredible person like they did a lot of like scott and like anti-racism stuff back in the 90s they were like really progressive and inclusive and ahead of the game back then and it's weird how like the rest of punk has kind of like gone from being like all white men to like super diverse and super like inclusive and ska has like quote unquote seeming seemingly gone backwards i don't think it's gone backwards i just think that like a lot of the times all of the representation in ska is like ignored like i mean like the the, the music started in jamaica and then like has always had like this tight like um like anti-racism idea to it as it's progressed but i don't know somewhere down the line people just get the like the assumption that like it's all white dudes and it's not it's not all white men it's it's a genre founded by people of color and still has many people of color in it and i like and i like when people can see that like everything doesn't have to sound like the corny high school ska band that they knew playing shows back when everyone was 15 
Because for whatever reason, that's the idea everyone has of the genre. Yeah, definitely. And it's uh, it's wild to me because it's like, of course, there are like what I call kind of like classic staples of ska now, like Real Big Fish yeah. and so mm-hmm. on. But like there are actually like a lot of the newer bands are definitely on the more diverse side and stuff. And like um, yeah. even the lineups that you play on, like We Are The Union, I mean, there's diversity there and there's more and more mm-hmm. diversity coming with other lineups that I, I just continue to see more and more ska actually being booked regionally in like Florida, it seems like with shows. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really good. There's definitely, I think there's there's always been like pops where everyone's like, this is it, Ska's back. You know, like back in like 2000, 2012, like 2008, 2012, there was like the Ska pop punk thing. Mm-hmm. And then there was like the Ska core thing. So yeah, like the Flaming Tsunamis and they were like super tight Ska core band and like, you know, they were really popping up. Andy Tabar now runs Compassion Co., like the vegan apparel company. And he like, does all this like vegan stuff. But like before then he was making a bunch of songs, not only about like veganism, but like other things of American political stuff. And like, really like, like aware, like, like let's think more as human beings and be compassionate type music. Um, but it was also like aggressive, fast paced ska core. And then you had like, We Are The Union was doing the pop punk thing. You have like Kill Lincoln was doing the pop punk ska thing. And like, it was like a new fresh sound for the genre in two different ways. And everyone was like, this is it. This is it. It's about to pop off. You know, pop punk was getting big at the time. And like hardcore was like big at the time. And like metalcore was big. Everyone was like, it's the formula. It's going to happen. And then it just never happened. Like all those bands like broke up or went on hiatus. And mm-hmm. then everyone was like, well, what happened? So like now I'm kind of seeing that like, that resurgence not not like necessarily like as if like there was like a period of no bands but like a resurgence like there's like there's new fresh bands happening and bands are doing the thing and that that's like another problem i see with the genre is like you'll have ska bands like there's a lot of ska there's a lot of ska bands i know a lot of ska bands but like they don't they don't do the thing like you like to be a band that's growing you can't just like play shows in your area and then expect to become a huge and like you know it's like every other genre like even pop punk hardcore all of those other adjacent punk adjacent genres whatever you want to call it they all have plenty of bands that book the diy tours and they do like the long drives and they mm-hmm. you know they they play the diy shows to eight nine people and it's like you can't do you can't just become big without doing that and putting in that diy epic and i feel like a lot of ska bands which is not necessarily the band's fault because it's hard coordinating between seven people versus three mm-hmm. but we need bands doing the tours and playing the shows and putting the work in and like there's just not many bands who are able to put the work in and the ones that are able to they don't do it at the level that I see in other genres so I think that's another part of it that makes sense because I mean you see some bands that really put in like the hustle to really just be touring I feel Mm -hmm. like um most of last year it seemed like we are the union was on tour and just like going everywhere we did a lot of shows. We did that. The Rubik Fish Tour definitely helped a lot. It definitely helped get our name, like, onto the map of, like, the the main ska crowd that was, like, into ska for the past, like, 15 years, 20 years. And, like, people are like, oh, we're the union. It was one of two things. There was a, I remember you guys used to tour a lot in 2010, and then y'all just disappeared. Or the other one was, I have just never heard of you before. Which is, like, we're the union was pretty big. Like, we're the union used to tour with the Wonder Years. The story so far is so told. So, like, those are like pretty big names in like the pop punk spectrum that like yeah. where it's cool. so when people are like, well, I've never heard of We Are the Union. People will be like, Are y'all a new band? Like, how did y'all get on this tour? It's like, no, the band formed in two thousand five and have been <laughs> doing a lot. They just went on like a hiatus, but like, you know, 
so I guess like the Rubik fish was definitely a good way to get us like our name kind of to a lot of people and mm-hmm. then it's, it also helps that like on Scott's you know as Scott's network gets bigger I'm like if y'all like this check out we're the union because we're the union was my favorite band before I joined and like everything I do in ska like 50% of my inspiration comes from like we are the union and it's like weird to say that because like I'm now in that band yeah um, they were my favorite band throughout high school and for throughout college and when I went to Vest in 2013 or 2014 that was like my first time seeing them and I was like oh my goodness and like ever since like that was my first time seeing them and my last time seeing them because every other time after that I was playing for them so yeah that's an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, to be able to play with a band that you've admired for that long, first of all. And yeah. the fact that you can kind of share influences literally between projects is just amazing. Yeah. And then on top of that, Scotty Network, I was one of the fortunate souls that got to be present at the Scotty Network live shows, which oh, was yes. amazing. That was so much fun. Yes, I'm so glad. We have another one coming up. I can't talk about it yet, but it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. That's so awesome. And, like, seriously, I think that was, like, my favorite show I went to for the entire year. I'm glad. I'm glad that people, like, showed up and, like, it turned out really well. And, um, yeah, it's, like, like, even, like, older. Because, like, I remember, like, ska shows i used to go to them all the time when i was like 16 17 18 around being 19 is when they kind of started dying off in south florida Mm -hmm. and then like by the time i was 20 there were no ska shows and so sometimes i think back about ska and i'm just like i wonder if it was great because i was a teenager (laughs) or if it's great because like because now i go to so many other shows and like i have so much fun at other shows but often enough i'm like i wish it was a good ska show i could go to with just a bunch of good bands and like that I haven't been to a ska show in so long. So sometimes I'm like, wow, was it good because I was 16 and everything was just like, you know, my brain was producing way too much dopamine and everything had that like <laughs> over romanticized, you know, everything is better when you're 16, like falling in love and hearing a band for the first time. And then as you get older, it's like not as like that, but like, but no, it's like, I went to back to the beach festival last year. And like, I think less than Jake was billed like third out of eight bands which Mm -hmm. is like wild considering how big every band after them was like I think Goldfinger or no I think Sublime headlined Sublime with Rome headlined Mm -hmm. and then it was the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and then it was um the Aquabats and then it was Hepcat another band I can't remember and then I think Less Than Jake and then Suicide Machines and then another band before Suicide so it was like just all of these like really big ska bands and I like saw them all and I was like this is like that was one of my favorite shows of last year so it's like clearly the hype and like there's like a weird sense of like inclusiveness and community of like ska shows that like I feel like a lot of other genres have like this weird like mix of being so serious and wanting to like look cool so -hmm. like you know bands want to like look the part you know like they want to have the docks or like have the vans they're like you know use the cool like have the cool amp or like have the cool setup and like their albums need to have the cool aesthetic and like be super serious and you can't have fun and it's like I don't know it, it, it's kind of boring sometimes sometimes I'm watching a band I'm like yo this is like so boring because y'all are trying so hard to be cool and serious and it's like that's why I like Roswell Kid because Roswell Kid's definitely like a fun band and like Just Friends is super fun but like their music has substance and like and it has like a lot of substance but like they, they know how to have fun too and like to me ska is like kind of like that like not saying like not either of those bands are like ska bands or sound like ska bands but like it's like that same sense of like people just want to have fun and have a good time and like go to a show to have fun like everything else in the life is already already depressing like and I get like punks are are sad (laughs) especially like emo but like 
but like like I don't know like ska is just like having fun and like that's what I see in the shows whenever I go to like a full ass ska show with like good good bands playing like a lot of like diversity and inclusiveness that's when I'm like yes like yeah it wasn't just because I'm 16 like this like ska shows are something else for sure definitely and it's kind of cool how ska like it's got this like ability to just kind of pump energy into people that I don't see come out very often so Mm -hmm. I think about um well just there I feel like St. Pete has this like hidden pocket sometimes of ska where we'll get like a stacked show just out of nowhere and it's amazing like uh lip shits will come back from like unannounced Mm -hmm. hiatus kind of thing You know, and there's so many others that just kind of pop up. I mean, I think about my friends at Community Couch. They just wrote a ska song. For all I know, they're going to go full ska next. I love it. Yes, please. We need more need more great bands doing ska. Yeah, no, yeah. It's definitely like Florida's kind of always been like that. Like, I remember I used to book ska prom in South Florida. Really? Christine, yeah, Christina from Goujoy, actually. She booked the first ska prom in 2000. 2010 I want to say because she used to book shows back then mm-hmm. and um, I didn't go to that one and then 2011 I don't think there was a Scott prom and then 2000 friend me and my friend Nick Cole booked one and that show was like like I think I think throughout the day because it was like eight bands it was like a festival at that point but like throughout the show it was ne- the room was never full but like literally every set like probably 40 people came and showed up and like bought a ticket so by the end of the night the venue never hit capacity, but people were so in and out, and like every set was full. I think we sold like three hundred something tickets or something like that. It was like wow. the venue capacity was well under three hundred, but like the amount of tickets we sold was like I can't believe. It's like I've never been to a show where from the first band to the last band from like five or like six p.m. to like one thirty a.m. because the show ran like way late, way mm-hmm. late for the way early for Gainesville. Um, <laughs> Like, it was just so many people in that venue, and it was, like, such a good show, but, like, I booked Scott Prom 2012, 13, 14, and then 2015, um, 2015 was the last one I booked, and so at that point in 2015, there was no Scott show between Scott Prom 2014, which ended up having to get canceled because the venue got shut down, and then there was, like, a, like a pseudo Scott Prom that happened somewhere else, and that one was, like, pretty good. Half the bands weren't Scott, but, like, at that point... I don't know what I did. I don't know what stars aligned. I don't know what happened, but like I managed to get three bands out of from the dead to come back for that Scott prom. Then I got one way, which from Tampa. And then I got three different touring bands. I talked to them and they managed to route three tours to one location. And wow. I did one Scott 2015. And I was like, I was nervous. I was like, I don't know if this show is going to do well because like this hasn't been a Scott show in so long. 200 people showed up. And I was like, I don't know where you 200 people came from. We still like ska in South Florida, but um, it's awesome. And like, I feel like that's just how ska is in Florida, at least. It's like years can go by without a ska show. And when one happens, everyone like rolls out. They're like, all right, guys, 2012 again. Let's do it. Ska never dies in Florida. That's for sure. Nope, nope never. Not in Florida. Well, you're one of the people that's really like keeping it alive, it seems like, with all these covers that you pump out and all the tours that you do. Um, it's so much fun to watch everything just kind of come to fruition. When I get my YouTube notification from being subscribed about a cover, I'm like, hell yeah, what's Jeremy got for us now? Uh, so much. Yeah. How do you decide which covers you want to work on? I know some of them are Patreon submissions now. Yeah. So I do like the one Patreon request a month, at least one. This month I'm going to try to do more than one because I'm starting to get a lot. Originally I only had, I, for a while I only had like three to work with. 
and I was like, all right, I need more requests because of these three, only one is actually like kind of possible. Like the other two, I was looking at them and I was like, uh, I don't know if I can even like do this. Like it's like so <laughs> hard. Like some of these songs are like really hard, but um, I eventually want to try to do as many of them as I can. Um, it's also the fact that like I have to like carefully plan out between like I was like last year I spent five out of the out of the twelve months not in Florida. So like mm-hmm. in order to consistently put out material, I have to make material ahead of time. And so sometimes it's like. I look at a Patreon request and I'm like, that'll take me a week and I need something I can make in a day because I have to make seven covers this week to release while wow. I'm on type thing. Yeah, so like, but now I'm not traveling as much this year. So I'm, I'm getting caught up on things and now I work at home fully. So so right now, hopefully I can start getting through a lot of these Patreon requests and like the more de- detailed covers. Um, but yeah, other than that, the way I decide Honestly, sometimes people just say, have you considered this? And I was like, oh, I need to do that now. Um, <laughs> sometimes I see a tour announce of bands. Like for the emo covers, I'll see a tour announcement. And I'm like, ooh, that would be good. Like the other day I was just listening to Camp Cope and I was like, oh, this needs to be a Scott cover. So I'm going to do like a Camp Cope cover soon. Um, Yay. Over like the next month and a half or so. Um, I love Camp Cope. Uh, there's so many bands that I love and I want to do so many covers. And it's just like, a lot of the times I'm like struggling. What do I even do? I have so many, to, so much stuff to pick from. But like, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes they just come to me. Sometimes I have the idea for a while. Most of the time I have it for a while. And I'm like, just like waiting until I feel, feel it. But um, yeah, I have like my covers planned out for all of March already. So that's yeah. so awesome. We got a lot to be excited about then. Yes, a lot of good covers coming up soon. The I next one, that, I have one coming out on Thursday. It's going to be really good. Really good. Ah, I'm always so excited about what you're going to have out. <laughs> I'm going to throw everyone back to their childhood. Yes, even better. So can you kind of walk through the process of how you go about planning and making the Scotty Network covers? Yeah, so pretty much the first thing that I do is find the song I want to do. So once I find the song that I want to do, if it's a song with vocals, I... <laughs> And this is a mistake that I've made before a lot, especially with my Tiger's Jaw cover, is I check if the song's in my range, if I can sing it. Um, that's another huge issue I've been presented with. If it's not in my range, I have to say, is there a way I could, because I don't like transposing out of the key of the original song. Mm-hmm. It's just the thing about me. Like, it, it makes it harder for me to do the cover if it's not in its original key. Um, but, so if it's not in my vocal range, I'm thinking, can I sing it down an octave or can I falsetto? And will it work? And will it not sound terrible if I do either of those? And anyway, if I can do the vocals, then the next thing I do is I'll, I'll like listen to the song quite a few times, like over the span of a day or two to really get it down. If I already know the song well, then like I'll, I won't do this part. But if I do know it well, I'll do that. And then I'll pick, up it, pick it up on guitar. I'll look up the chords. If I can't look up the chords or find them, I just do it by ear. It's not that big of a deal by ear. Um, I get the lyrics and then I play through the song a few times on guitar. And I kind of try out different, like I, so most of the time I hear exactly how it'll sound in my head. I'll listen to a song, I'm like, I already know what this will sound like as a ska song. Um, but if I don't, I'll play through it on guitar a few times until I figure something out. Then after that, if my drum set is set up, which right now it's not, I'll go to the drum set and then I'll play it on drums. Um, and I'll pretty much figure out what the drum pattern is or what, what the beat will be. And a lot of the times figuring out the drums kind of makes me figure out, okay, I want to change the, the speed of the song or this or that. And then after that, I'll go back to guitar with the drums in mind and play it through guitar a few more times. 
And then after that, that's when I start writing out the drum part. I can't record drums because I don't have the gear to do that and also nor the time. And recording yourself on drums seems very hard compared to, I mean, recording yourself in general is kind of hard because like it's a lot of like going back and forth. And with my current setup, it's like drums is just not possible. But um, <laughs> but in the future, I would love to start doing drums as well. But right, I just program the drums. So I write all that out and then I just add the, the guitars and then bass and then horns and then vocals. Sometimes I'll do vocals before horns if the vocals take a lot of the melody and the horns are more of a background. Um, but that's pretty much the order I do it. And like most of it, most of everything I do in one day. I'll either write the drums the night before and then do everything else. Or I'll do like the drums and guitar and bass the night before and then everything else in the day. Or I'll do it all in the same day. But it's very rarely has a cover ever taken more than one or two days to make. You're a genius. I've only met one other person in my life who actually has done that. And that was my like middle school band teacher who would like transpose music for basically like complex orchestral pieces to where uh, a fifth grader could figure it out. <laughs> and like, it astounds me what you do. The fact that you can do that in such, um, to me, a short period of time is just mind boggling. Thank you. <laughs> It's so cool. <laughs> like just you walking through all that, just uh, my jaws like dropped. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so cool. Well, like when you kind of talked a little bit about the vocal ranges, I started actually thinking about the different people that you've partnered with that have sung along with uh, your different covers. People like Rosie from Night Witch for the My Chemical Romance cover and Sim from Insignificant Other and uh, Candace from Woolbright for the holiday cover. It's so cool that you work with so many different people across the scene. Uh, how do you choose the different video partners and how have they kind of influenced your creativity too? So definitely like a lot of the choices of that has been like, um, first off, like they're all incredible. Like all those people that I have chose to do that, I'm like, y'all are all just incredible. Like Candace is incredible. Uh, um, Rosie's incredible. Sim is incredible and like y'all are just like really good and like I just like making music with my friends a lot yeah. and on, a lot of the times when I pick these covers too I think of the song and I'm like like I, I, I don't know anyone who loves like MCR more than Rosie and like Absolutely. Rosie actually suggested that cover to me and then I like messaged her and I was like I'll do it if you do it with me and that that's how that happened and then like Sam was like was like Carly Rae Jepsen I was like all right Sim Sim this has to happen like we gotta do <laughs> me and five covers right now like we're planning to do so many more but I have to get to Birmingham at some point to actually like do them and um same thing with Kay, like I heard like when I went to the all out I wanted for Christmas one I was like there's only like three people I can think of that could do this and Candace is definitely one of them and so like yeah, and that, it's like kind of a way to like I'm out of like a I want to use like the platform of Scouts Network to like really promote like great artists mm -hmm. and like great great people, and I I know that's definitely like a good way to like you know promote these to be like I'm, in the description of all those videos I'm like hey check out like these people's actual bands, and like I know like everyone won't dig it and everyone will check it out because like you know people listen to like some people who like I don't know people like to listen to one genre specifically and I could never be like that. And so, like, but for the people who, like, follow my stuff that love emo and then, like, like, listen, they'll probably love, like, all of the bands that my friends play in that I've collaborated with. So it's just my hopes of using my, my clout and power to, like, help 
help uh, my friends' bands get recognized because, like, they're all so underrated. So, so underrated. And I'm not even saying that because they're my friends. I'm saying that because, like, they, they've, like, inspired me to, like, make the music that I do. Absolutely. I mean, they are all gifts to us all as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I remember talking to Candice on the podcast probably almost a year ago, and she was just amazing. And it's so cool to see that intersection. For somebody like me who is a fan of Scotty Network as much as I am of, like, Woolbright, it feels like crossover the century to see that kind of thing pop up on the holidays. I'm like, Merry Christmas to me. Happy holidays to everybody. I get this cover. Yeah. So cool. And it's just really neat the kind of effort that you're putting out there and stuff. And that's like a platform for you, for all these artists. It's cool. That's the goal. Hopefully I can use my powers for as much good. I kind of do the similar thing with I have the Scotch Network inspiration playlist. Mm-hmm. And that playlist thing is near a thousand people following on Spotify, which is like good. I put it in the description of every video and the playlist is like a mix of three things. It's it's definitely all things that hire me to write on music. More more so like it being strictly like kind of ska or bands that are like punk that have a ska song. I try not to mix in other genres because I, I want this to be like if y'all like this and want to hear bands that sound like what I do, then listen to this playlist. Because like there's plenty of great ska bands out there and people always tell me like I love your cover, but I hate ska. And I'm like, no, you hate the ska you've heard. And you haven't heard, like, the bands that my cover sound exactly like. And mm-hmm. I can go through each videos and be like, yeah, my Pure Imagination cover, that sounds exactly like Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra. Uh, my Over the Garden Wall cover, that sounds exactly like Hepcat. Like, my Holiday cover by the Get Up Kids, that sounds exactly like Killington. Like, they're all based off of actual bands. Like, I'm not inventing anything new with most of my covers. Like, Probably the only cover that I've done something I think no band has ever done before is my Legend of Zelda Lost Woods cover, which to me just sounds like if Title Fight was a ska band. <laughs> and then the Data Remember cover I did, which kind of also sounds like if Title Fight or Basement was a ska band. Like, those are the only two I can really think of that kind of like, like, cause I don't think anyone's done that, like, that, that contemporary emo grunge, whatever you want to call that basement Title Fight citizen style pop punk grunge emo stuff but as ska i don't think anyone's done that before but other than that like everything i do is a blatant rip off of another band and if you know the bands you will hear the rip off for sure <laughs> that, that that playlist is that it's like the top of the playlist is either like essential ska songs that i think that everyone should know like jamaican ska um or it's all like bands that are active and putting out music within the last 10 years because so many people in ska like ska is a lot of people talking about the same records that were put out 25 years ago and mm-hmm. it's like all these are great records and i love them and i agree with you but like this genre is not going to grow if we keep just throwing all of our money and attention at these bands that are full of people in their 40s and 50s like there are new bands that are always up and coming and like no one's ever like supporting them like i'm on the like i'm on the scar reddit and i'll look at a post and it's like real big fish record from 1993 and it has like 500 upvotes and then it's like a new band that's like really good and it has like 10 upvotes and i'm like y'all this is like why this genre isn't growing because like we keep giving attention to like old bands and it's like rubik fish they don't need the attention anymore they really don't like i like like i love people in rubik fish are really nice and like really 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 sweet people but like they they're successful and they will always have that you know momentum going as long as they keep touring but like these smaller bands that are doing the work that Real Big Fish was doing 25 years ago, like, they need the attention. They need the support. And, like, 
I don't know why people just won't support them in the genre. So that, that's what I try to do with the Scott Sinark Inspiration playlist, putting all these like super diverse, super good, super solid bands and using my power to like promote them to people. Be like, hey, look at this. Look at these awesome bands full of awesome people making awesome music. Definitely. Well, I'm going to have to make sure I link to that playlist in the show notes. Get more people in the ska for sure. Absolutely. I love it. Well, one of the things that I feel like you've accomplished with Scott to Network and bringing a lot of people in is you draw on a lot of like popular music and like pop culture. So like one of the things I fell in love with was the Star Wars cover um, along with like Steven Universe, Over the Garden Wall, and then like Puck like pup and you even have pop like Carly Rae Jepsen what kind of inspires your variety is this just all stuff you like literally it's it's all just stuff I like yeah um like I hear I I like I love Steven Universe and like I'm definitely at some point gonna have every song from that show covered I like yes. I just feel like like if I just like kept putting out Steven Universe covers for all the people that don't care which I feel like everyone should care like, I just love Steven Universe so much um but but yeah, I think it's like it's just I love all that stuff, you know. It's like I really like Star Wars. So I was like, um, really, especially the soundtracks. Like you know, John Williams, a great composer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I love Carly Rae Jepsen. You know, it's like there hasn't really been an artist that I've covered that I don't like or listen to. Even the Patreon requested ones, everyone I've done so far is something that I've like already like kind of listened to before. Mm-hmm. And I've been there's never really been so far a cover where like I didn't like like I had no idea what this is but I'm gonna cover it type thing um um but yeah so I like, guess just stuff that I really like and like I feel like it's it I feel like Scott Snow kind of works better because I'm like doing those super like honed in like things because like the the fans of those things they really like it like I as, I don't know people are always like you should do like these really popular covers and it's like I mean my damn it cover is like a prime example because it's like it has two two million views on Facebook or something like that but like I'll do like the Japanese breakfast cover I did which is like I don't think anyone even myself didn't expect a Japanese breakfast cover ever but like I gained so good thank you (laughs) I gained so many good like people who are genuinely following my page not just like people who randomly saw my video on Facebook and was like oh yeah I remember that song or like yeah it's Blink-182 and then like they don't care for any of my posts unless it's another Blink-182 cover so like I'd rather have the people who are genuinely interested in like Scott 2 Network than just wanting to hear like covers of Blink-182 all the time so and I think that's like how it goes for like me covering all of these other like specific like like the Steven Universe fandom and the Over the Garden Wall fandom and all these like fandoms and like cult followings, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, well, that just tells me you've got really awesome interests that everybody really adores. And, you know, you've got kind of your finger on the pulse of trends, it seems like, because let's be real, everybody suddenly started covering Toto, but like Toto's Africa and stuff. And I like your cover better than Weezer's. (laughs) Thank you. It's so much better. I was just like, wow, okay, why isn't this on the radio? <laughs> Are you kidding? The Weezer cover is like fine, I guess, but like my thing is like if you're gonna cover a song, give it like your like you know, like twist. Like don't sound like Toto, sound like Weezer covering it. Like if they did like you know, like, oh, this, like, like, the thing, I was listening to that cover record, and there's some songs on it, and I'm like, all right, like, everyone wants to rule the world. To me, that song sounds like 
it was a Weezer song that was written as like an 80s pop song. Mm-hmm. So when we played it, I was like, oh, this fits Weezer so well. And so like, that's something I like. But like some songs on that record, it's like y'all are trying to sound like TLC, but you're never going to be like these powerful black women like ever. And you can't do it. And like, <laughs> if you're all going to cover it, like making it's like this, like this garage Rocky like vibe, not like trying to make it an R&B, R&B anthem, but you're like, like a rock band from the 90s that has just not not done a lot in the last few years I guess like yeah definitely well sounds like Weezer needs to be taking advice from Scotty Network as far as how to make a good cover just saying I'm not saying they're bad but they could do better (laughs) I love it I hope Weezer doesn't like call me out on in social media over this nah I'm not that the podcast isn't that big yet but <laughs> hey, if this is what does it, I'm down. <laughs> if that's how I get big. We- Weezer beef on the internet. <laughs> Weezer beef parts. I'll just tell them to listen to Roswell Kid. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things that I do think is cool, though, is a lot of the artists, at least whenever you cover um, different musicians and stuff, like you mentioned, the world is and stuff, like they respond very well to your covers and stuff i remember like whenever uh, there's the even the sharing with like japanese breakfast and everything whenever your video surfaced there and stuff does it feel cool when you get recognition from the original artists of the music yes every time i'm just like oh my gosh i can't i can't believe this person shared my cover they they actually cared there's only been three bands that have not i think it might be two i think there's only been two bands that have not in any way acknowledged the fact that I've covered them. One was Tiny Moving Parts. One was Turnstile. One was, oh, I'm trying to think. I feel like there's a third one I can't remember. But yeah, American Football retweeted it. They mm-hmm. gained me a lot of fun. Well, like another 2000 or so. Wow. American Football did. did my cover I did. Um, Roswell Kid retweeted it. Most of them have been retweets. A few of them have been shares elsewhere. A lot of people ask me that cover. Yeah. Up, like, tag me. <laughs> um, yeah, Pup, Pup uh, shared mine as well. Um, what else is there? There's a few other bands. A Data Remember, okay, the band A Data Remember didn't, but their bassist did on his social media. That's cool. It. And then, like, Billy, Billy yeah, Billy Joe from, um, from um green day on his social media also shared the the basket case cover i did oh blink 182 that's the other band that didn't share my cover it was blink 182 yeah which that like i was a reach but then billy joe shared my green day cover and that green day cover is nowhere near as big as that damn it cover so i'm kind of like travis parker someone had to see that cover at some point it's sitting at like um like two million views on facebook there's and no way they haven't. There's yeah. no way they haven't seen it. That's so yeah. wild. And it's so cool that, like, you know, there's almost like this, you kind of have that creative bond then because, like, you've, at that point, pretty much taken their music and transformed it. Yeah. And I think it's important, too, like, more so because, like, I I really don't care for artists that act like they're too big for their fans. There's a lot of artists that are out there and like they think it's cool to be like, oh, like my this person loves my music. Like, nah, 
no that's not cool like 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 no like be happy that people love your music like like i'm never gonna not say thank you or never acknowledge that someone cares about the music that i make regardless what it is so like whenever like i don't understand like if i was an artist like if anyone covered any like a we are the union song i would be like oh my goodness that's the coolest thing in the world i'm gonna share it on all my social media or if someone covered like any like 1159 song or something i'm it's the same thing i'm gonna be like that's so cool i can't believe this and like I don't know, to me, it's just weird that, like, artists are, they want to keep up that, like, aesthetic of not, of not, like, caring about their fans or, like, what their fans do. And I see it a lot with other bands, like, other bands, like, Safe Face, I, I see them, um, I've seen them retweet a lot of videos of people playing, like, songs on acoustic guitar, and I'm like, you know, a retweet is really easy to do, and, like, it's important to that fan, obviously, because they made that cover of that video, mm -hmm. and, I just feel like it's important for like artists to be like humans and like be like human to their, their fans and like not like they're too big for that. Definitely, because at that point it's like, and you feel acknowledged whenever you've done something for an artist and for yourself in the same capacity, and it's kind of like a cool connective moment. And I think that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I kind of like about even just like your social is you acknowledge a lot of people who are tweeting at you and like, you know, you engage in conversation with folks and that's really cool for somebody who is with Scott to network producing covers. And that's really nice and amazing. Yeah. I always try, I try my best to like respond to absolutely as much as I can because mm -hmm. I know it's like, I've definitely like reached out to pages. Actually one time I tried booking we're the union, uh, like, years like five years ago and i always like mess around with <laughs> like reader remember that time i like messaged you and y'all just gave me like a straight up hard no like didn't even consider it cold um, looking back at it it was so not feasible but still it was just so funny but it's like it was the fact that we were the union back then messaged back with the solid answer because there's plenty of bands i hit up back in high school not mm -hmm. knowing how to book but still trying to book all these shows that like just didn't answer me and it's just like at least like they answered and like to me it's like giving that engagement of like yeah I'm a person that exists and not just like this mysterious figure who's too big for anything like to me that's like important and like I try my best to respond to as many people as I can but like sometimes it's just like so overwhelming like social media like social media has become part of my job and like being on social media just like gives me a headache a lot of the time not for any reason but the fact that like i'm just always on it like i always joke saying i've turned my unhealthy social media addiction into my income therefore it's justified but like <laughs> is it really justified that's what i tell myself when i'm on my phone for an hour i'm like oh it's work it's field research that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's what's popular so i cover the right things true yeah i mean i do the same thing whenever i'm like on social media i'm like i'm looking for new possible podcast guests or i yeah. need ideas of who to talk to so i get that yeah that's too funny well you know you spend a lot of time on scotty network but you have a bunch of other cool projects too like 1159 mm -hmm. and when you do stuff with we are the union and mm -hmm. you're scoring as well um yeah what draws you to exploring these other styles of music and do you think any of what you're working on in other projects influence got to network or vice versa yeah so definitely scott to network has helped all of these projects grow like scott to network kind of like another cool thing about like artists like sharing my stuff so my first steven universe excuse me first steven universe cover i ever did was giant woman mm -hmm. and ben levin who's a storyboard artist 
on Steven or was a storyboard artist in Steven Universe, re blogged it on Tumblr. And we actually like started talking because of that. Cause he loves Scott too. Like that's his thing, like on his Tumblr. Like the one of the last straight edge Scott fans in existence was his Tumblr header. And wow. I was like, oh, me, Ben. There's like a few of us, trust me, you're not the only one. Um, <laughs> friends and talked before and like I've made friends with like other storyboard artists at Cartoon Network or friends that became storyboard artists or like who moved on to that so like i have friends who like you know work on stuff like that and like scott snark is really like using them like them retweeting my stuff is very important because then you get all these like other artists and animation students who like hit me up and they're like oh you make music like like can i commission you to make music for my short or something like that and like that's what i like that that's back in high school i, I decided that was gonna be my job was to like make music as compositions for like commercial music pretty much like for tv shows for commercial selling music for any of that and so it's kind of come full circle where scott's network has like grown me to a point where people now recognize me for being a musician but then now it's like all right now i have to grab now that i have their attention i need to be like hey check out my chops on everything else i can compose like this is it and like i'm, I'm working on a few like animation like uh, scoring right now so like that's cool and when those are up then i'll have like a resume and like portfolio where I can use that to grow even more so like that's a cool thing about Scouts Network and mixing for Scouts Network has gotten me better at mixing everything and like learning all these covers has gotten me better at writing music like doing all those emo covers like the 1159 songwriting has gone up so much and like 1159 is only because every time I see my friends playing like bands like despite contrast in contrast to popular belief emo is like one of my favorite genres like way I love emo so much more than ska for sure um but every time I see like a band playing, I'm like, oh, I want to play music that just sounds like, sounds like that. Like I always wanted to play in a band that just reminds me of like that, that like idea of like being in a band being cool back like in the '90s and like mm -hmm. early 2000s. And I finally came of like, like age of being a teenager and being in a band wasn't cool anymore. And like bands weren't even a thing anymore. Like the only bands that were left that were like big had been big for years. And so like getting into like well DIY music was kind of like cool it's like oh people still play in bands and stuff like that so it's really cool and that's kind of like where like the the drive for lmc9 comes from because I just really love like alternative rock and like emo and like the I have a playlist on Spotify called uh we get it you like Daria which is like the best description <laughs> that, like, kind of like that that angsty angsty like you know grungy like wears flannels and like clunky shoes and like that weird kind of nerdy aesthetic that's like what's really cool in emo I guess that's why I like it so much but yeah that's so awesome I love it I love that you know you've been able to just branch out to so much thing so many things that you love with the music that you're creating it's so neat and you've even done that with like the vegan cooking show Upbeat Eats where you've started that that is so cool because like I've always been curious I'm vegetarian but I'm not vegan yet and like that show, like the first episode of the stuff that you were making, it was like, okay, cool. This is showing me how simple it actually is to be able to cook. You've got some great music behind it. Uh, this is really cool. How did you organize this project and what kind of got you motivated to do it? Oh, so Upbeat Eats. I actually just finished filming an episode right before this. That's why yes. I, that's how I lost track of time. It's like, I forget how long it takes to like cook like in film and have to explain everything and it turns like a 30 minute meal into like a two hour meal because <laughs> um, i have to explain everything and talk and like do outtakes and all that but um but yeah like, the way it kind of got to it is like you know like music was a huge reason of like, going vegan like, 
like all of the friends I made throughout the music scene, um, really like being introduced to vegan food because of them. And like, you know, a lot of people have the idea of vegan food being like gross and really hard to find and really expensive. And then like becoming friends with vegans and going to like vegan restaurants. And I'm like, oh wow, this vegan restaurant is cheaper than like most other restaurants I've gone to. And like, or if it's not cheaper and it's around the same price or more, I'm getting way more food that tastes way better. And it's like, I'd rather spend $12 at this vegan place getting a huge plate of food that's really good and like really way more ethical than like going to a place that's like nine, nine, ten dollars and getting like food that's nearly not as good or not as much, mm-hmm. but like it's cheaper by like two dollars. So like to me, like I'd rather just spend the extra two dollars and get more food. But um but yeah, so after like learning all of that, I basically like went vegan. So like a lot of people were saying like what is like being vegan have to do with ska? And I'm like, well if it wasn't for ska, I probably wouldn't be vegan because the people who inspired me to go vegan or in- were inspired by people in ska to go like read read from we are the union he's been vegan for 11 years and he was kind of by proxy the reason why brent our drummer went vegan and mm-hmm. brent's kind of by proxy the reason the reason i went vegan wow so, okay yeah, so yeah brent reed andy tabar from the flaming tsunamis i mentioned before he's also vegan. he's been vegan for i don't even know how long but like he he has like his uh company and he like advocates for veganism a lot in a lot of ways it's really cool and um christina from gouge away was a kind of another reason we were just like getting becoming close at the time and like simona as well um all like kind of reasons that kind of like oh introduced it to me so like for me it was like it, it, it became a possibility to me after learning about it and like a lot of people are ignorant to it and like i, I look back and i see how like i was ignorant to it because like i didn't know about it and so i assumed things about it and like mm-hmm. I, I I know a lot of people that want to go vegan, but they're always, like, asking me for help. Like, I've always had the joke salad of the day because people, like, when I first went vegan, I worked at Waffle House, and, like, all my customers would always be like, how do you just eat salad all the time? And I'm just like, I hate salad so much. It's, like, my least favorite. Like, I never eat salad. Like, I eat vegan Philly cheesesteaks. I eat vegan burgers. I eat, like, all this junk food Oreos and French fries and stuff like that. And it's like... yeah. And so I would always post like me eating Oreos. I'm like, hey, look at this salad. Because apparently all vegans eat are salads. So salad <laughs> of the day. I have a food Instagram called salad of the day, actually. But like, I, I rarely update it. I might change it to Upbeats. And like you make that kind of like an uh, into food Instagram of that. But um, but yeah, salad of the day, like kind of gained a lot of traction. People would snap me on Snapchat salad of the day back. And I'm like, oh, wow, I started a thing. <laughs> and, um, like, how do you cook all that food? And I'm like, the food I cook is so, it's so like, I, I feel like if I wrote it out, you would have so many questions because people overthink cooking. And for me, it's just throwing vegetables in a pan and then throwing a sauce in there and calling it a day. Like I just made curry. Like it's nothing super fancy. So like, I feel like the best way to explain it is like through video and showing people like, no, it's literally just throwing a block of tofu in here, mashing it down and throwing in turmeric and nutritional yeast and you have tofu scramble. It's like so easy and so simple and like takes like, four seconds so that's why I kind of I've had the idea of a cooking show for like two years now and I'm glad I'm finally like I I think I announced I was gonna do it like eight months ago and I'm like finally doing it and people are like yo I'm I'm glad it's finally happening and I'm glad people are like enjoying it as well yeah because like people like me are learning and for me it's like one of the biggest challenges that I want to eventually address with my diet is like okay well cool how do I find the good substitutes and stuff and you're already showing ways of like has substitute eggs, for example, and like other things. And 
that's so cool and useful because whether you're doing it to go full vegan or just to like change up your diet for a more healthy lifestyle, whichever reason mm -hmm. you choose, it's still cool information to have and you do it in such a fun way already. Yeah, like someone commented on one of my videos, like um, saying it was the first diabetes episode and they were like, I'm vegan and I just want to say that this is like one of the, like the wackest things I've ever seen and it's like just such a bad idea and I'm just like, I mean, I really don't constitute or understand what makes you think it's a bad idea, but if you think it's like not good and it's probably not for you, I mean, you said you're vegan and like everything I'm cooking is so like easy and serve. Like I'm not like sitting here trying to make like a, a, a full on like vegan turkey that you deep fry and stuff with like a vegan lamb with like wrapped in a vegan bacon with like this like cheese whiz stuffed inside like no like there's already so many youtube channels doing these complicated recipes that even me i've worked in a kitchen for five years and i cook so much and i still look at some of these videos and i'm like i don't i can't do this like this is so complicated and so advanced and like no one who has no cooking experience can go vegan expecting to cook these unrealistic expectations like like don't don't talk about vegan fried chicken talk about how to cut an onion because a lot of people genuinely don't know how to cut an onion like yeah. i learned because i worked in a kitchen and i think about like if i never worked in like four restaurants i would not be able to cook the way i do i was fortunate enough at waffle house to be trained by someone who who cooked for like benihana and like you know he cooked at denny's he cooked at like italian restaurants he cooked at like steakhouses and like he spent his whole life cooking and like started his own catering company and Waffle House was a retirement job. That was, I don't want to sit at home all day. Let me just go cook at a diner, work the easy shifts and like talk to people because it's like a very social type restaurant. And like, yeah, so he was, was fortunate enough for him to teach me how to cook. And like, I know like a lot of basic, like how to handle food because of that. But um, not everyone has that. Not everyone has that access. A lot of people grew up with parents who didn't know how to cook and they don't know how to cook. They don't know basic stuff. And like, I feel like people who do know how to cook really put people down for like, oh, you don't know how to cut an onion. It's like, yeah, some people don't know how to cut an onion. We live in a society where like they, they want to teach you how to do stoic geometry in school before they teach you how to do anything practical in life. And no one even ever knows what stoic geometry is unless you study chemistry. Like what I remember. Studying that. So like, it's okay if you don't know how to cook. And that's what I want to like bring that out. It's like, you don't know how to cook that's okay what i'm doing is very basic and i'm gonna walk you through it and help you because we need to help each other in life definitely and i like that you have the thought of making veganism and cooking in general accessible to people that's just so mm -hmm. awesome yeah i'm really trying like gamesville is a weird weird place because like i just don't I, I only go to three places for my groceries the local farmer's market which is only here ward supermarket which is only here, and Lucky's, which Lucky's is kind of around the country, but it's like not, and they have a lot of brand stuff that's specific to Lucky's, or they carry a lot of stuff that you can't get at a regular store, so like a lot of things I cook with is not stuff people can find, and I can't really price it, so what I'm trying to do for Upbeat Eats is like get everything at Walmart or Publix, but mm -hmm. if it's from Publix, it has to be stuff that Kroger would also carry, and so everything I'm cooking for the most part is stuff that you can get anywhere and i want it to be very like you can go to walmart and cook everything that's the goal i'm doing with this because not everyone has Publix. Publix is like a little fancy like compared to like the rest of the country kroger comes close in a lot of ways but Publix gets their hands on like the fancy substitutes before kroger does for sure 
Yeah, definitely. Because you think about it, it's like it's accessibility at that point. Because I mean, you'll have more people who do have a Walmart versus having a Publix versus having like a Trader Joe's and stuff. So I think it's important to be aware of like, you know, not everybody's going to have that. I mean, food deserts are a real thing and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. That's cool that you have that consciousness and stuff and you're putting that in, out there with like music and with the food channel and everything. So this is so cool. Um, and you put out a lot of really awesome content. What advice would you have for somebody who's looking to get involved in making their own like creative media and starting these kind of projects? I think the best advice is to do it organically and don't force anything. I feel like that's kind of like, something that i always struggled with is like especially like going into the wonderful world of being a freelance musician and not knowing what is coming next or like i would especially like being a music major because like i you know i studied music and everything like that and like i going to like music school and i hate music school for a lot of this is like you have two choices you have jazz or you have classical unless you go to like a special arts school um but you have jazz or classical so they teach you how to compose and and uh produce or, and or whatever like perform in classical or jazz but the thing about classical is orchestras aren't a common thing like if you're if you want to become a classical trombone player like what i wanted to do for a little bit go right ahead but you're gonna go and battle for this spot like there's only like i think 11 full-time orchestras in the country mm -hmm. and of, of those 11 i know one of them has had the same principal to a player since before world war ii so unless you can gain 70 years of experience on tuba in like your short lifetime and beat this person out for his spot you're not gonna get a full-time gig doing that you know it's like i didn't even, i only got my aa and i never like gone on to a four-year uh, four university that i've majored in all these things and like they aren't doing any like they they like jobs like food service jobs because they can't find like work and like Music isn't like, degrees don't matter in music like that. You need the experience mm -hmm. and people who excel the most at what they're doing, they do what they do. Not like, like for me, what I'm doing is like ska. Ska was the thing that I did, was always my thing. I used to always say, I wish I could major in ska because like that's <laughs> really good. I'm really good at writing ska. I'm really good at writing any type of ska. And, and um, I mean, now it's like come full circle and now I'm actually making a living through ska. And now that's opening the doors up for me doing other stuff. And like when I'm like, and when I'm like writing music for commissions and stuff like that, I'm mixing together like my elements of ska with like elements of classical orchestral music and creating this weird dynamic that no one's ever done before. And that's another thing I've noticed, like looking at all the composers that I look up to and like what they do, like Steven Universe is a good example. You have I uh, Ivy and Slash who do the music for Steven Universe. And when you listen to the show, you get like these like, hybrid animal crossing like nes vibes with like this kind of orchestral jazzy vibe and like i don't think anyone else has that that quite their sound and like that's probably why they excel so much as musicians because like they didn't try to get this stock movie composer sound they have their sound like i listen to the music and i'm like oh yeah this is i can even differentiate if ivy produced it or if slash produced it because like they're married and they write the music together it's the cutest thing in the world but like they each one produces different ones and i can even tell because they're so distinct at that as who produced which one but also i can tell when they both co-produced it so like they have their sound i think that's the most important thing is trying not to sound like someone else and just doing what you love and like 
keeping at it even though it sucks because oh my gosh that's network was like it sucked like for like a year like i it was not it was such it was so much time that was like being taken out and like it was not worth it for a long time but eventually it became worth it very much so definitely i mean i like going back and watching your early videos and your more recent ones. That was something I did to kind of get ready for our chat here. And it's like, mm -hmm. I just can't help but feel proud of you seeing the progression that you've got. It's so cool. Thank you. Absolutely. It's just amazing. And I think you're right. I think that organic creativity and just like putting your all into it is going to take so many people so much further if they just own that. And that's something that you've done. And I can't wait to see what all you do next. Yeah, I have a lot of, uh, I, there's, like, so many, like, things I want to, like, talk about, but I can't. <laughs> but there's some, like, really big things I want to talk about, but I can't. But um, it's, like, it's gonna all going to be announced very soon, definitely, and I'm, like, excited. I'm, like, all of it, and I know, like, once they're announced, it's going to, like, help Scott's network grow more, Um, and I'm excited on that. And, yeah, I'm just excited in general about the growth of this channel and the support that I've been gaining consistently. Absolutely. Well, you deserve it all. I know you said that you can't talk about a lot of the exciting stuff that's coming up, but um, maybe what are some goals that you have for like Scotty Network or some of your projects that you have going on? Some things that you want to accomplish as maybe just as a musician or just as a creator. So in general, my my goal is for Scotty Network to go from a job back to being fun. Um, my soul, like, I have a lot of plans for the channel. Um, I'm going to always continue doing Scott covers, but I kind of want to get onto a schedule where I only do one cover. Right now, I'm doing two covers a week just because I'm trying to put out more content and build my platform, and I'm gaining a lot of following because of it. But once that starts slowing down, I'm going to start um, a songwriting, like, series. So basically, like, I'm, it's going to kind of be, like, video essays, and I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do it. I've had two ideas. One would be, like, basically using my music theory knowledge to analyze, like, punk music. So I'll be oh. like, well, why, why does this one riff thing always tend to pop up? Or, like, what makes emo music sound this way? And, like, I'm going to explain it using, like, music theory. And, like, the other idea I had was, like, using that kind of that same concept, but how I would use it in songwriting and, like, explaining the things that I do. And, like, the goal of that is kind of, like, if you're a music theory nerd like me and like that makes sense to you then like you can learn a lot about that or how like you can see music in another perspective but the other part is like um i i know a lot of people always get curious like how to write music and like i always want to encourage people to like start bands and make music and play shows and stuff like that but a lot of people like just don't know how to write music and like i'm honestly i can't tell you how i started writing music like i mean i have i have a lot of old songs another idea i had was revisiting ska songs i wrote in high school and how i would rewrite them now um because i feel like that'd be funny and like just looking back at how terrible those songs were and like the growth i've made since then like the the mistakes i made not really mistakes but like the things i probably would have done differently um i have um transcriptions i want to do i want to take like songs that exist and like when you're a jazz major you study jazz your professor will probably have you do something like transcribing a solo. So you learn the solo by ear and you write out the, the music. And I've always been doing that for every cover I do, but I don't write out the music. So I want to start transcribing ska solos and like writing out like the Streetline Manifesto trombone part for this song and like kind of talk about the chords they're using and why that works within the melody and like kind of like using this all this music theory knowledge that I have and have not properly like used for anything yet. But like that's all like t that, that's all gonna take time to like develop slowly. But I'm gonna like 
hopefully start introducing that stuff in. But aside from that, um, I want Scott to never become kind of fun again. Not like, not like my job. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's always fun, but like now where it's like, if Scott's network stops, I have like nothing. Like I want to like get to the point where I'm relying off commissions and like, hopefully the, the, the end goal would be like, just to have a nice gig on a TV show, like for Cartoon Network, like writing music. That's like kind of like the end goal, like Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon or even Netflix. So it's kind of where the future is going anyway. It's making music for like shows and cartoons. Cause I love cartoons. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I hope you have all those awesome accomplishments and stuff because they're definitely deserved. You're, you work really hard and I'm glad that you're building the audience that recognizes that. Um, it, okay. One last question for you. If you yeah. could play with any three bands, they can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead. Think of it as your own personal festival. Who would you want to play with? Three bands? Yep. You get three. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. This is such, like, a quest. So would it be, like, Scott's Network playing with them? It could be Scott's Network. It could be 1159. It could be Watu. You, your choice. Oh, oh, oh. This is, this is a question. Um, oh, wow. Oh, man. I don't, even, I don't even know. I'm so bad at picking. People always ask me these types of questions. It's like, I listen to so much music where I'm like, ah, I could probably list off 100 bands right now that I listen to like without stopping and <laughs> three um okay so for I probably pick slapstick is one slapstick was a really good Scott punk band from like they only put out one record they were so tight so good so energetic um and then they uh they just kind of just like broke up after that one record um uh that would probably be one honestly Okay, this is probably like a weird the union lineup. Then I probably want to do this with the union, a slapstick, uh, Operation Ivy, because I feel like that would just be like, <laughs> like Operation Ivy is one of those bands I just listened to forever, and just from the get go, I knew I would never see that band live. And, <laughs> like I mean, like it's just not gonna. They broke up in like 1987 or something. Yeah, like, you know, it's like they went off to form like Rancid and Common Rider and the Classics of Love and all these other like Tim. Tim Armstrong or whatever the uh, I can't I forgot I can't remember the singer's name, but um they all formed all these other bands. But either either that uh, Operation Ivy, uh, Slapstick, and uh, the third band. Um. Oh gosh. You know what? Ooh ooh, this is so hard. Um, I'm like torn between the Mighty Mighty Boston and the Aquabats for the third band. Because, like, the Boston's are honestly just r such an underrated band. Even though they're, like, one of the most commercially successful, like, ska bands out there, people really undermine that band. Like, they, they tackle a lot of issues on, like, racism and bigotry in their music. Um, super diverse lineup. Talent, like, I saw them live last year for the first time, and I was blown away. I was like, it's one of the best bands I've ever seen live. But that same show, right before them, I saw the Aquabats, and that was one of the best sets I've also seen. And they're so much fun. Oh, man. Uh, I can't choose. I'm sorry. That's okay. You've given me an awesome list. And the best part is some of those are extremely attainable options for you, like the Boston's yeah. and freaking like Aquabats. That could happen for you. And I hope they do. Part of why I asked that question is because I send that vibe into the universe for these opportunities to happen for artists. Oh, yes. That'd be so much fun. Yeah. I mean, where the unions played with the Boston's before? I know that. They did a weekender with them once. Mm -hmm. Um, your time could still come. Yeah, I mean, I, 
and then slap slap probably a little, i don't know slapstick did a reunion a few years ago operation ivy it's never gonna happen never <laughs> I've, I've, accepted that. I've accepted the day and if it does happen you know what it's nice <laughs> oh my gosh this has been awesome jeremy i could talk to you all night about music and all the cool stuff you're doing but i'm sure i should probably let you go at this point um where can everybody keep up with you on the internet um so definitely youtube i'm always updating the youtube um instagram for sure and um instagram is mostly music related posts at this point um it's either music related or if i feel like i look good that day i'll just post a selfie and like (laughs) to music but instagram is where i dish out all the information about everything i'm doing musically um and then twitter twitter is another good place and the handle for them all is scott network it's like just the way it's spelled s-k-a-t-u-n-e network um but for the twitter uh, it's also just, it's just my Twitter. I just renamed it Scott to Network so I can try to get verified. <laughs> <laughs> like the Twitter, Twitter's worked. Twitter's been like, ever since I've renamed it, I've been reaching a lot more people. So That's like, cool. like trying to make it like less personal. I'm trying, I'm going to make a personal Twitter at some point, but like, I don't know. I feel like it's also important. Like Twitter is the place where I feel like kind of like the safest to just like be like, Hey, like, like this is just be nice to people like you know like don't be don't be transphobic don't be racist don't be sexist like i mean i'll say that on any of my social media but twitter is like definitely like the easiest to like youtube doesn't have a great a great interface to just to like put a message out to the world without putting a video behind it instagram's kind of make a a post about it but twitter's all text so it's very easy to just like type out hey friendly reminder to like respect trans people and put that out there yeah, it's an awesome soundboard for all that. Well, everybody, I highly recommend that you follow Scotty Network on all of the socials and make sure you subscribe on YouTube because Scotty Network is awesome and Jeremy's taking over the world. <laughs> Thank you so much.
you just heard some sweet ska in the form of the, the Force theme from Star Wars as done by Ska2 Network. Thanks to Jeremy for sharing their love of ska and secret to sharing it. They're transforming the ways that we can consume covers and making ska, not to mention also making veganism all the more accessible with Upbeat Eats. Also, Jeremy finally gave me an excuse to fully nerd out on this pod and play a Star Wars cover, so it's perfect. Keep on picking it up, Jeremy. And everyone, please go subscribe to Scotty Network on YouTube and Patreon now. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me what you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. If you feel like tipping the podcast, feel free to drop a little, and I'll pick it up, at the Anger Girl Music Coffee page. Any money that goes into the jar will go toward helping with expenses for podcast hosting, a future website, and more sponsorship opportunities that I can give to other festivals, events, and nonprofits. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at anchorgirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work in publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me a link to your work, and let's chat. Don't forget, Death Protector Fest is coming this May to Gainesville, featuring a ton of podcast alum and friends. Death Protector Collective, with The Alternative, Angry Girl Music, The Indie Rock Persuasion, The Fest, and Smart Punk Records present a one-day festival, all for free, on May 11th. Join us at the backyard at Boca Fiesta and Palomino Pool Hall to see Slingshot Dakota, my loves, uh, Dikembe, Little League, Pool Kids, my pals in expert timing, Woolbright, Night Witch, Teenagers, Super Haunted, and Pez. Check the show notes for links and more information. You will not want to miss this. Until next week, until next week, stay angry and pick it up. We'll close it out with Scotty Network and Insignificant Others cover of Emotion by Carly Rae Jepsen.
Hello YouTube and thank you again for watching yet another one of my videos. This is Ska Tune Network where I take my favorite songs and your favorite songs and turn them into Ska songs. First and foremost, I want to give a big thank you to everybody who is watching this video. Any level of support to my channel is greatly appreciated from the bottom of my heart. And whether you're just watching the video or you're subscribing, liking, commenting, sharing, following my, any of my social media below, uh, supporting my Patreon or my merch store, all of that stuff is making this channel so successful and it's all thanks to you guys. So thank you again for watching this video and supporting this channel. At this moment I'm recording this, it's currently May, and by the time this is uploaded it's probably going to be around July, and that's because I'm traveling all summer teaching a group called the Pacific Crest Drum and Bugle Corps. I basically pre-made a bunch of videos so you guys can have some fresh content over the next two and a half months while I'm gone. So if you want to keep up with all this content I've been putting out, as well as keep up with all of the traveling and music stuff that I'm doing, you can check out all of my social media in the description below. And if you're feeling generous and you want some cool merch, you can also check out my Patreon and my Big Cartel web store below. I also want to give a big thank you to Simona for doing vocals on this cover. If you want to hear more of their lovely voice, you can check out all the bands and music projects that they play in. That's in the description below. But that's pretty much it for this video. You all rock my socks, and thank you for tuning in.